Hey guys, are you thinking about starting your own podcast? If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me give you the details. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will then distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Elise, joined by my co-host Winston the Cat. Every other week, Winston and I will bring you a new story about a murder, disappearance, or serial killer with a special focus on cases from our hometown, the Pacific Northwest. Just a reminder, this podcast contains content of a graphic nature that might not be suitable for all listeners, including descriptions of violence, sexual assault, and crimes against animals and children. Listener discretion is advised. Today, Winston and I will be telling you about the tragic and likely avoidable murder of Kaylee Sawyer. Kaylee grew up in Bend, Oregon. Her parents separated when she was young and both eventually remarried. She was the oldest child and only girl in her blended family. She had two younger brothers and always tried to be a positive influence for them. Kaylee's family told KGW News that Kaylee was, quote, beautiful and intelligent, end quote, with an infectious smile and laugh. She loved her family, and her father, Jamie, knew that Kaylee was meant for greatness. In 2016, Kaylee was 23 years old and a student at Central Oregon Community College. She also worked as a dental assistant in the Bend area. Kaylee had a boyfriend named Cameron, who she'd been dating for about two years. By all accounts, the two were very happy and in love. On the night of July 23, 2016, Kaylee attended a bachelorette party for one of her friends in downtown Bend. At around 12 a.m., Kaylee sent Cameron a text asking him to come pick her up from the bar. On the way back to their apartment, the couple got into an argument. When they arrived at home, Cameron went up to the apartment and told Kaylee to come up after she had cooled off. According to her family, Kaylee often went on walks to clear her head, so that's exactly what Cameron expected Kaylee to do. He waited for Kaylee to come up to the apartment for about 15 to 20 minutes before texting her. Where are you? Please come home and talk to me. At least you're being unfair. Are you kidding? What a joke. 
I'm sorry I'm not good enough for you. I don't get how you can say that. If you wanted me, you could have, but don't care. If you cared even a little bit, you'd know where I am. Sorry I'm not as important as your phone. Kaylee, please just come home to be with me. I don't want to play this game. I'll start searching, but please help me out. My phone's about to die. Please don't do this to me. I apologize for being upset when I picked you up. I just drove up and down College Way really slow. I didn't see you, and I don't know where else to go. Just come back. Are you kidding? Because that's bullshit. Goodbye. Phone off. Kaylee, please. As those texts suggested, Cameron drove around the neighborhood looking for Kaylee. He never received a response to his last text and eventually went back home to go to bed, thinking that Kaylee would come back when she was ready. Cameron couldn't have known that someone else had come across Kaylee walking alone that night. When Cameron woke up the next day, Kaylee wasn't in their apartment. He tried calling her, but the phone went straight to voicemail. Cameron never received any calls or texts from Kaylee after she texted him that she was turning her phone off. Cameron called Kaylee's dad to find out if he'd heard from Kaylee. After he found out that Kaylee hadn't contacted either of her parents, Cameron called 911 to report Kaylee missing. Kaylee's mom also called 911 and told police that Kaylee had a history of seizures. This was partially true, as Kaylee had had one seizure in the past, but nothing recently. But Kaylee's mom really wanted police to take Kaylee's disappearance seriously. Her parents met police at Cameron and Kylie's apartment in the morning of July 24, 2016. Since Cameron was the last known person to be in contact with Kaylee and the last person to see Kaylee, he was questioned by police and considered a person of interest initially. Cameron answered all of the police's questions, and they felt Cameron's fear for Kaylee and his sadness was genuine. Police also interviewed Kaylee's friends who attended the bachelorette party. They found out Kaylee had been dancing with an unknown male at the bar. Police tracked him down, but it turned out to be a dead end. He admitted to dancing and flirting with Kaylee, but nothing more. Police pinged Kaylee's cell phone number, which was moving in and around Bend and the surrounding cities. They thought this would lead them to Kaylee, but it turns out they were tracking and pinging an old phone number that was registered to Kaylee. The number was now being used by one of her friends for her tablet. So police struck out again. Police really had no other leads. Cameron had been ruled out, Kaylee's cell phone had been turned off so they couldn't track it, and police didn't find any witnesses who had seen Kaylee after 1 a.m. Investigators had no idea that one of their own was about to give them a huge break in the case. Isabel Ponce Lara was a rookie cop with the Redmond Police Department. Redmond is just a 24-minute drive from the town of Bend. On July 25, 2016, Isabel came into the police station to tell police about a conversation she'd had that day with her husband, Edwin Lara. Isabel told police that Lara had confessed to killing Kaylee, but claimed it was an accident. Lara told Isabel that he hit Kaylee with his car while on patrol for his job as a security officer at the community college. He panicked, 
hid Kaylee's body and stored her belongings in their shed. After Lara confessed all of this to his wife, he took her gun and left their home. Isabel had tried calling Lara, but his phone went straight to voicemail. Isabel told police that she and Lara had been working through a rough patch after she found out Lara had had an affair with a woman in California while she was in the police academy. She told investigators that Lara came home after midnight on July 24th. According to her, he was acting quiet, but still went to church with her and to a movie with his cousin in the afternoon. Of course, after hearing what Isabel had to say, police knew they needed to find Lara. They obtained a search warrant for the Lara home. Inside the shed, Isabel mentioned, police found Kaylee's purse covered in blood. They also found a boulder covered in blood, which they believed was the murder weapon. They also found Lara's work uniform, which had been hidden inside a tire, and a display board profiling the railroad killer and other serial killer research. With all this evidence, police were able to get an arrest warrant for Lara. The only problem was, police had no idea where Lara was. After stealing his wife's gun and fleeing their home, Edwin Lara drove to Salem Center Mall about two and a half hours west of Redmond. He waited seven hours before carjacking an unsuspecting young woman. Andrea Mays, who was just 19, had just finished working a double shift at the Ross Dress for Less in the Salem Center Mall. Andrea took a quick selfie and checked Facebook when all of a sudden, Lara reached inside her window grabbed her phone, and then got into the passenger seat and told Andrea to drive. Lara was holding a gun against Andrea while he told her that he waited for hours in the parking lot for the perfect victim. Andrea drove for about an hour before Lara made her pull over for driving too slow, fearing that her driving would attract police attention. Lara handcuffed Andrea to the gear shift telling her that he was a police officer, not a campus security officer. During their drive, Lara confessed to murdering Kaylee while looking through Andrea's phone. Lara and Andrea stopped again, this time in Cottage Grove, about two hours and 40 minutes from the Oregon-California border. Lara used a fake name to rent a hotel room. Once they got inside the room, Lara handcuffed Andrea to the bathroom door. He wanted her to take a shower, but she refused. Lara then recuffed Andrea to the bed and forced her to take sleeping pills. Andrea fought hard to keep from falling asleep, terrified of what Lara might do to her. Lara got into bed with Andrea and started licking her earlobe. Andrea knew that Lara was going to rape her. Then, all of a sudden, the alarm on Andrea's cell phone went off. Lara became super paranoid and demanded to know what the alarm was for, thinking it was some ploy for Andrea to call for help. Thinking quickly on her feet, Andrea told Lara that the alarm was a reminder for her to take her STD medication. Andrea believed that if she could convince Lara that she had an STD, he wouldn't rape her. Lara got a phone call shortly after this exchange. 
When he answered, he spoke in Spanish, and Andrea later told police that Lara sounded extremely paranoid. In fact, after the call was over, Lara packed up all his stuff and forced Andrea back into the car, and they were on the road again. Andrea's car eventually started leaking oil, so Lara decided that they would need a different car if they were going to make it to California. At around 5 a.m. on July 26th, Lara attempted to carjack 73-year-old Jack Levy while he was unloading his car at a Super 8 motel. When Levy refused to give Lara the keys to his car, Lara shot him in the abdomen and left him for dead. Lara then fled with Andrea to a nearby gas station where he carjacked an old woman and her two grandsons. The three were waiting in their car while their dad and grandpa were in the gas station restroom. This poor family was in the wrong place at the wrong time. Lara forced one of the teen grandsons to drive and took his cell phone to check and see if he had tried calling 911. Lara once again confessed to killing Kaylee, telling the family that he struggled his entire life with a, quote, urge to kill, end quote. He eventually dropped the family off at a rest stop after about 15 minutes of driving. But Lara still refused to let Andrea go. He told her that she was going to be his human shield to protect him from police. Lara began recording a video on Andrea's phone. He confessed to killing Kaylee and showed a terrified Andrea to let police know she was physically unharmed. He titled the video, quote, Murderer on the Loose, end quote, and told Andrea to post it to her Facebook page. Andrea did as she was told, or so Lara thought. Andrea had changed her privacy settings so that no one would actually see the video when she posted it. About 30 miles south of Redding, California, at around 6.40 a.m., Lara began a high-speed chase with California Highway Patrol. In the midst of the high-speed chase, Lara called 911. He told the dispatcher that he killed Kaylee and was wanted for murder. He also told her that he had a gun, which obviously escalated the situation. The dispatcher was able to convince Lara to pull the car over and turn himself in. Police arrested Lara and Andrea, not realizing that she was his victim. Thankfully, she was quickly released and returned to her family. Investigators in California spent over six hours interviewing Lara Lara claimed that he just bumped Kaylee with the front rack of his patrol car because she was wearing all black and he hadn't seen her. He then claimed he thought she was a sex worker and took her purse away so she couldn't call 911. He put Kaylee in his patrol car, then choked and killed her. Lara drew a map of where Kaylee's body was located off Highway 126, 10 miles west of Redmond. Police were able to recover Kaylee's body. It was found in a canyon, uncovered and visible from the side of the road. An autopsy was performed, and the coroner ruled the cause of death as blunt force trauma. Investigators in Oregon began collecting additional evidence from Lara's crime spree down the I-5 corridor. They found Lara's car abandoned in Salem just before he kidnapped Andrea. Inside the car were two handwritten notes. The first said, quote, the place I killed her is on the B-12 lot. Run her over on College Way, end quote. 
the second note was even more telling. Quote, this note is to say I'm sorry for taking her life. 18700. To her dad, I'm sorry. To her mom, I'm sorry. It was an accident. She screamed and I had to silence her. My intention was not forever. To my wife, I'm sorry. I will forever love you. End quote. After reading these notes, police knew there was more to Lara's story about what actually happened to Kaylee. So here's what police believe happened that night. Kaylee was intoxicated when she was walking along College Way and had the tragic misfortune of coming across Edwin Lara. Lara, in his capacity as a campus security officer, had an SUV that he used to patrol. It was the only one of the fleet that had a cage in the back seat, just like a real police car. So police believe that Kaylee likely thought Lara was a police officer when he offered to give her a ride. Lara himself even said, quote, I think she trusted me because of my position, end quote. Once Lara had Kaylee in his car, he began asking her for sexual favors, which Kaylee declined. Lara then demanded Kaylee give him her purse and phone. Kaylee began screaming for help and tried to open the doors to get out. Lara took Kaylee out to parking lot B12, a parking lot on the edge of the college campus that was poorly lit and had no security cameras. The parking lot was described as a, quote, gravel lot high up on the campus, surrounded by juniper and sagebrush, end quote. When police searched the area, they found drag marks and blood in the parking lot. The drag marks led police up the hill to a location in the brush where a significant amount of blood was found. This is the spot where police believe Lara fractured Kaylee's skull by hitting her in the head with a rock. After he killed her, Lara left Kaylee's body in the parking lot and drove back to the campus security office where he cleaned himself up and then drove his own car back to the crime scene. Lara placed Kaylee's body in the trunk of his car and then dumped Kaylee's body on his way home, about 20 miles from the original crime scene. The next day, Lara decided to move Kaylee's body, driving to the spot off Highway 126 where he threw her body off the embankment. It was believed that Lara attempted to sexually assault Kaylee at some point before he killed her. Lara was charged with the murder of Kaylee Sawyer. Prosecutors sought the death penalty. A preliminary hearing was held, and the judge ruled that Lara's six-hour confession tape couldn't be used as evidence. The judge explained that Lara was held for five hours and wasn't allowed to make any calls. The judge explained that Lara was held for five hours and wasn't allowed to make any calls. He sort of asked for an attorney, so the judge ruled that all questioning after that point was in violation of Lara's Miranda rights. Even without the confession, prosecutors still had plenty of evidence against Lara. Lara was also charged with five felonies related to his crime spree in California, including attempted murder. In January 2018, Lara pled guilty to one count of aggravated murder and one count of robbery. Lara was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. At his sentencing hearing, the judge said, quote, In the course of picking Kaylee up, you were not protecting her. 
You were acting as the predator that you were that evening. You saw this vulnerable young woman as someone you could prey upon, end quote. In April 2019, Lara received another life sentence after pleading guilty to federal kidnapping and carjacking charges related to Andrea's case. This second life sentence was to be served concurrently with his life sentence for Kaylee's murder. The U.S. Attorney for the District Court of Oregon said, quote, Edwin Lara is a ruthless killer who will rightfully spend the rest of his life in prison, end quote. There was no evidence that Lara committed any other violent crimes prior to murdering Kaylee, but police believe that Lara would have become a serial killer if he hadn't been caught. After Kaylee's death, her parents became beacons for legislative change. In 2019, Oregon Governor Kate Brown signed Kaylee's law into effect. As part of the law, there would be a stricter vetting process for college campus security officers, including background checks and pre-hire psychological testing. All campus security cars would be equipped with GPS trackers and recording devices, but the vehicles, uniforms, and equipment used by campus security officers could not resemble those used by actual law enforcement in any way such as the cage divider between the front and back seat of Lara's SUV. Vehicles are also prohibited from having rooftop lights or push bumpers in the front of them. Kaylee's law makes it clear that campus security officers shouldn't act like law enforcement in any capacity as they have no authority to arrest people, retain evidence, or investigate crimes. When Kaylee tragically crossed paths with Lara, he was wearing a uniform that resembled a police officer's uniform, and he had pepper spray, handcuffs, and a ballistics vest, all of which likely led Kaylee to believe that Lara was in fact a police officer and she could trust him to get her home safe and sound. Kaylee's parents are pushing to enact the law on a national level. Kaylee's family also filed a lawsuit against Central Oregon Community College. The family and the college recently settled for $2 million. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Please subscribe and leave a review if you like the show. You can email case suggestions or comments to truecrimecatlawyer at gmail.com. And you can find us on Twitter at truecrimecatlaw and on Instagram at truecrimecatlawyer. You can also find our discussion group on Facebook by searching for True Crime Cat Lawyer in the group section. If you're interested in learning more about my co-host, you can check out her Instagram at WinstonTheCatPDX. Thanks again for listening and stay tuned for our next episode.